Welcome, welcome. You're listening to our podcast, Two Massage Therapists in a Microphone. My name is Mark. I'm a registered massage therapist, registered kinesiologist here in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. I don't know if you can feel the smile. Can you feel the smile? Well, I could see you and you're well, giggling. Okay, I don't know why. I've got this smile right now because I'm having a flashback of like the early COVID days, lockdown number one. We're recording from and, our bedroom. Uh, we're recording from yeah. the bedrooms. I'm back holding the oh, microphone God. in my hands versus, <laughs> you know, having the nice microphone stands. I'm also there for back to smoking the weed during the fucking podcast it's episode. True. I'm in my pajamas laying in bed with a glass of wine. This is how we should always work. <laughs> maybe maybe we should just make this our jobs. How can we go about making this our jobs? Yeah, how do how do we do this? Anyone out there know how we can just make this our full-time job and I can just talk all day laying in bed with a glass of wine. This sounds fabulous. I think you'd have to marry up to make that happen, by the way. Oh, but I'd miss you. I st- you know, as long as I can just have me over in the east wing in the house every once in a while. <laughs> I think think I'll bring the kids over. Hey, who says you're keeping the kids? Well, if you're leaving, I'm I'm keeping them, right? Even if that's part of the arrangement. I'm I'm not going anywhere. Well, hey, everyone, it's Amanda, and we have Mike on the phone with us tonight. So Mike has a lot of letters behind his name. I'm going to try to get it right. Let's call him Mikey Alphabet. Mikey Alphabet. He's a registered massage therapist. He's an athletic therapist. He's a certified matrix practitioner and a sports massage fellow. I think that's all of them. And uh, we met Mike a little while back, I think just after we reopened and he booked uh, some one-on-one training with us. So I got to see half of his face because of course we were all masked and um, we just found him to be- But his eyes are fabulous. (laughs) Fabulous eyes. (laughs) We found him to be fascinating because he did so many things and um, it was really cool. Somebody with such experience in the field wanted to learn more and take classes with us. So when we were trying to think of who can be our next podcast guest this seemed like a good fit even when we first met i was like dude like you're gonna come on and do this at some point (laughs) and then i think we just bullied him into it yeah well hey mike thanks for hanging out with us so late tonight i uh i'm uh, i'm honored to be i'm honored and i'll tell you I'm, i'm nervous although you guys tell me not to be uh this is unique and uh thank you and i i should give you guys a shout out as well too uh, I am at quote unquote an old dog, but I very much enjoyed the one on one doing the axial uh, mobilization. And I would recommend that course for anyone, regardless of what they're, you know, if they, they're doing manual work. Um, I've been using a fair bit of the stuff in the neck and the back. Um, you know, mobilization with motion, uh, the, the stuff that's happening with it is absolutely amazing. So, uh, a shout out for you guys and uh, appreciate you having me here uh, on the line. Thank you. All right. So before we jump into questions, because I'm sure we could talk to you about so many different things. Can you give a little bit of background for people listening? Um, a little about you, how long you've been practicing, what your practice looks like, and you know, maybe sort of how you got to where you are right now. Sure. So my initial background was an athletic therapist. So I've been certified since 1992. So that makes it close to 30 years. And during that time, when I got out and started practicing, I realized uh, one of the big things was we didn't cover a lot of neck and back stuff. And I was quite nervous to do that. So then I went into massage. And then from um, going back to school for that, uh, a lot of what's happened is a lot of continuing education courses. Mm. Uh, One of the biggest things for me for 17 years, I was a head therapist for um, a soccer academy in which I was able to combine both my athletic therapy skills and my massage treatment skills 
uh, anytime that we got to travel. So I've been to Europe uh, quite a few times, uh, Holland, uh, Cuba, uh, Trinidad, uh, like France, England, those types of places. And, and part of what was happening there was I had to figure out my own environment and how to treat. So there were times that I was treating on, in hotels, on uh, bed, like uh, beds, literally, not treatment tables, uh, dining room tables, depending yeah. what was available to me, and stuff like uh, ice, not always available, depending where you were. So a lot of stuff I had to try to figure out and do with without any, if you want to call it, uh, modalities. Mm -hmm. um, then one thing led to another. I've done a lot of concussion uh, courses. And one of the things that came up uh, during that time was an intro to matrix repatterning. And it's something that uh, I love. I think it's amazing. I think it complements a lot of everything else uh, that I do. Not only do I do matrix repatterning, there's another course out there called Matrix Manual Therapy. And they both are amazing. Uh, a lot of fascial work, so to speak, they complement each other. And I'm getting into visceral manipulation as well, too. Um, and more the, the mobilization. So like I said, took, you guys, took the course that you guys had. And along the way, um, I've been fortunate that I was selected, or I guess selected, nominated to go to the World University Games uh, to do massage therapy. Uh, for the core Canadian medical team, Italy in 2019. Yeah. And I'm very fortunate as well, too, that I'm actually an alternate for the, well, it's supposed to be the 2020 Olympics. It's now the 2021 Olympics. So I'm an alternate for that. Cool. You know what? I actually want to pull you back all the way back. Sure. I want to go all the sure. way back. Can I just say something before yeah, yeah, you yeah. do? Now I'm the one that's nervous, Mike. Like you, <laughs> you literally just, your resume is redonkulous it, for lack of a better term that is the only way I could describe it you've done everything like you're talking about going to different countries and working with professional athletes and Olympics you know and cooler, Matrix though? and holy you know what's shit even cooler? his resume is cool but his interview is cool too because he's a cool guy in person right yeah but now I'm like now I have to come up with questions to ask you and there's so many so I'm gonna I'm gonna let Mark start I, I want to go all the way back where did you okay. where did you do athletic therapy so for my background for athletic therapy, I went to Brock University, and in my third year, I got introduced to a course, Introduction to Sport Injury. I took that, was interested in it, and then I had to apply in the fourth year to get into two different courses. One was a clinical course, so you learned uh, assessment, you did treatment, you did rehab at a kind of a very basic level. And then your next was what we call like a field course where you learned how to be on the field, learn how to tape uh, any type of emergency care. And then from there, I applied to Sheridan College. Uh, my year was the last of the two-year program. It right. is now, as, as I understand, I think it's a four-year four program yeah. Yeah. and it's a degree. And I think it's a kin degree that you actually get. It might be because the College of Kin, I believe, is accepting... ATs to be in the like grandfathered into the College of Kinesiologists. I think I don't know where I heard this. Maybe I made that up, but I don't think I did. No, no, no. You you are correct. Um, I was initially in, and um, I'm now out. Um, 
And that's because majority of what I do is built under massage therapy and not mm. ET. I didn't have the hours. So that is true. We're looking for either, I think it's a specialty or a class. I'm not 100% sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I've kind of moved on and whatever happens, happens. And if I eventually get to get back in, then great. If not, you know what? It makes uh, So be it. You've got enough letters. Like really, <laughs> if, you can, if you can knock off like four more, then that'll be fine. <laughs> the, 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 letters are, the letters are great. Um, but what I found since coming back from being with soccer is I'm almost like it was almost at that point in time, four years ago, I was almost like I was starting all over again. And now, believe it or not, I'm finally at a place where I'm comfortable with the skills that I have and what I'm able to do. But it took a good four years to get there um, because I wasn't using as much per se when I was doing more of what we'd say the field work, even though I'm doing treatment in... um, hotel rooms or on dining room tables Yeah, but it's completely different when you're doing field of play work than what you're doing. But not even that, just doing the clinical work in all of these weird settings. Yeah, exactly. So So it's so different. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's been amazing. What was the time frame between AT and massage therapy? So for me, it was eight years. So in 90, I graduated in 91, got certified as an AT in 92. Mm -hmm. Actually, no, now I think about six years in 98. Uh, it got to a point where government changed things. I was actually out of work for about two or three months uh, because athletic therapy, for the most part at that time, was not recognized uh, through extended health care. Mm. So I thought, you know what? I want to learn more about the neck. I still want to learn more about the neck. I want to learn more about the back so I'm comfortable. Right. Uh, and I still want to learn more about the back, but that's just me. I'm, I'm a continue, like um, my wife thinks I'm a professional student. Mm-hmm. So I went back, did the massage. And then probably about 10 years later, I was said, what about going the route of quote unquote sport massage? Where did you go to massage? And tell me what you thought of massage school after doing all of the AT uh, stuff. Oh, you're funny. Okay. So... <laughs> He and is I'll be funny. Brutally, I'll be I'll be brutally honest here. Yeah, yeah. So um, I went to CCMH um, from '98 to 2000. Okay. Uh, I loved it. I had some amazing instructors there. I had the opportunity, if I wanted to, to audit quite a few of the classes, but I decided not to. And I'm happy that I did because it really helped me with my anatomy. I found that I was working with other people and kind of helping them that was helping me. And uh, I'm glad I went back for that. As far as the testing at the time, um, compared to what I went through with AT, I found the models, every time I would ask a question, they'd be looking down at a piece of paper to answer the question. Uh And I did not, for me at that point in time, uh, I found it very frustrating. Um, and it definitely was not at the same level that I did when I was uh, and, and went through for my AT because right, right, right. they knew the answers and they, it was very specific and you knew exactly what you needed to do. You needed you knew what you needed to do to adjust to make things better and you knew what you needed to do to be safe. So when I left, uh, I actually ended up speaking to the head examiner afterwards because I was so frustrated. I just found there was, it was very ambiguous at times and I did not think it was a fair, the way they did it, I did not think it was a fair process for the people going through. Are you talking about the CMTO? Like, are you talking about your office? CMTO, sorry. And I I didn't think at that time, yeah. yeah. And at that time, I didn't think it was totally professional to be honest. Now, I know it's changed, which is great. 
but at the time, I just, uh, for me, from what I went through as an AT, it was a lot more intense. It was five hours long, and it, it was it was pretty intense. So that being said, I know it's a lot better. I think things they they've learned and things are better. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so it, it's it's good. That's the one thing I think I always wish I did was AT. I'm not gonna lie, and I keep thinking maybe I want to go to AT, but then I always see ATs doing it in the reverse. ATs and then doing massage therapy more so I'm because of like, what Mike said because of the just. The I ease of I, earning an I, income, I right? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. you don't right. have to, it's hard to, be, to make a, a good coin doing AT work. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to do anything as a massage therapist. You tell someone you're a massage therapist, they're like, How do I come see you? Like it's just yeah. it's something everybody wants it's to just, do. I don't it's know, covered. For, for me, it's just one of those I think it think I think it is the, the letters for that one. I think I just want those letters and I don't know why. I had a question for Mike <laughs> about that. Being that you already sure. are an AT and now you're an RMT, why did you feel the need to add the sport massage? Like wouldn't you feel that you already have superior knowledge like no offense sport massage therapist like wouldn't you feel that you already hey be careful have i don't that? even know if you can call them that well, exactly we can't even use that title anymore mm-hmm. but it has nothing to do with superior knowledge um i wanted to be part of something and make something better than what it was to be quite honest with you in the back of my mind i also like i never it's it's always one of those things where if you knew what you knew you would have done things earlier um, and that's games. And so for me, I came to it a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wanted to be part of something. I was I was surrounded by good friends of mine who had already gone the route and had some really good experiences. And uh, I saw that change was happening. So a lot of good things were starting to happen. Because I'll be honest, uh, when I was first aware of it back in early 2000, it was always East versus West. No, you got to do it this way. No, you got to do it that way. Well, what happened in the meantime was we now teach, and I'm actually one of the few people that actually can teach through the CSMTA. We now have a unified way of teaching. So if you go and you go and do it out west, you go it out east, you do it here in in central, I guess, Canada. Um, Basically, when you learn pre-event sport massage, when you learn inter-event sport massage, and when you learn uh, post-event sport massage, it's going to be fairly consistent. Now, each instructor will bring something a little different, but when you go to do the exam, you're basically taught everything you need for those three different types of scenarios. And that was what brought me back. And I was kind of <laughs> 2012, I'm sitting around at home and I get a text uh, from the certification chair, Raymond Bucci, and his colleague who's in charge of uh, education, Jonathan Meister, saying, um, we need somebody to do PR at both the provincial and national level. Um, we think you'll be really good at it. <laughs> so I said yes. Jonathan didn't say it like that. He had an accent. Come on, man. <laughs> oh, Jonathan, uh, Mike, I, uh, I think you, uh, I think you should be the PR chair. Uh, I think you'd be really good at it, and uh, I think you'd be really great. So what do you think? And uh, maybe afterwards we can go for some drinkies. Yeah. Anyway, so that's good. That's anyway, good. so you know, Jonathan. Anyway, so I decided to, and uh, for about. Uh, well, this year, anyways, I've, I, I mean, I've been part of both provincial and national, either on the board or I've been part of uh, the chair uh, for the last eight years. And this year, I finally gave up my 
uh, bylaws and policy chair at the national level. Um, I just, you know, burn out and all that kind of stuff. And I needed some time and I'm still treasurer at the provincial level. Um, and, uh, I enjoy it, but I also, with a lot of what I did in about a three or four year span really burnt me out. Like I created, um, not to toot my horn, but I had to, because we needed to, uh, six different amendments to our bylaws. Mm-hmm. So our association is running the way it is and probably close to 20 policies oh. just to get things going. Well, I mean, the, the people before us did a really good job and people like uh, Orel, uh, Hamron, uh, him in particular, and I know I'm forgetting other people, but they did a good job. They really got the base going. Like we're we're standing on the, say, the shoulders of giants, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But we needed to get more current with uh, what we were doing. So we had to make those changes. And me being the bylaw and policy chair, I'm the one that had to write them. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, but things are good. Like there's been a lot of good changes. There's been a lot of tough decisions at the national level that they've had to in order to make us uh, to move forward. For example, uh, for the first time ever that I can think of a recall, we now have two females that have been chosen um, to do massage for the Olympic Games, where before it was pretty much male-dominated. So the standard of the quality of the people that have gone through our quote-unquote certification process, now we're being called sport fellow, Um there's a lot more people that are very qualified to go through and it's really good to see the change. And with the change, it's made it more accessible for people um, that want to go through the process to get their hours and to apply. It's a lot, uh, it's, it's still a challenge like anything else. You have to do the grunt work. Um, It doesn't matter how good you are. People don't care, but they want to know how you are when you're among other people and other professionals. And that is, so key because there are people saying, "Well, you know, I'm great. I'm I'm the greatest thing since sliced bread." Well, that's wonderful. But what games experience? Who have you worked with? Have you worked with a PT? Have you worked with an AT? Have you worked with a you know the head therapist? Have you worked with any of the doctors? Are you good at following orders? Do you know your level of where you stand and what you can and cannot do? Right. How do you communicate with other athletes? So there are a lot of people that are out there that said, "Yeah, well, I should be there." Well, you know what? If you don't have games experience, if you don't get your name out there, if you don't put the time in to get the hours, to get to know people, to communicate, then it's not going to happen. And the bottom line is I'm very fortunate. Uh, I did a lot of grunt work um, quite a bit myself, and um, and it paid off. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for that. And one of the biggest things that I learned when I was in Italy is know where you stand Make sure you're accessible because it's not about you. You may like to think so. It's really about how can I help? How can I contribute? How can I make things better? What happened in Italy that made you have this revelation? It was just, well, where I was staying, um, one of the docs was there. And there was a night that I wanted to actually go watch the women water polo uh, because I I took a liking to watching them play. And I, I was working with them a fair bit. And I was asked to stay back and work on one of the basketball players. And I know that if I had said no, then 
who knows what would have happened to me? Who knows if the opportunity to be selected as an alternate for the games, um, that kind of a sense. So, and, uh, you guys probably know Jason White. He was the assistant head and he, you know, he was great. He, if I didn't know stuff, I would go to him. He gave me, he says, Mike, you just got to do this, do this and whatever. And you'd be fine. I go, great. You know, know your place. Yeah. Uh, know what you can do. Don't overstep your bounds. And if you're not sure, ask. Um, I was also fortunate. I got to room with a Sheridan classmate of mine, Joe Rotella, who's a, an amazing osteopath. And one of the, the great things about that was I was able to watch him do things and he was able to teach me a few things as well, too. So, you know, Great experience in in that sense as well too. Experience is everything when it comes to this, and 100%. this because this is this is always the backlash I hear about people wanting to get involved in this world or be part of the association is the number mm-hmm. of hours that they have to do and blah blah blah. But just hearing you describe like you you the only way you actually understand how you would operate in that world and know your place is to have constant and constant exposure to it yeah right you can't just do something once or do something never and go into that type of scenario and know what to do it's like it's like if you're if you're not a basketball player and they throw you on the court you right. have no idea where to stand you have no idea where to be you have no idea what your responsibilities are well let's be honest this is like anything in life and this is you know why uh, my generation actually got a bad reputation for a little while for being quote entitled because Ah. it was you know we are the people that I have this university degree and this university degree and this university degree and you know I'm going to come out of school and expect to be paid six figures because look at all of the papers and all the letters behind my name and everybody else was like uh slow your roll kid you You need to gain experience I'm not gonna lie though I, I think a lot of these people that I've talked to, if they heard it described to them the way you just did yeah, to Mike me. Yeah, Mike did a really good job then of explaining I, Then it, it would yeah. make sense because when they would come to me and say like, this is, I'm, I'm not even going to bother trying anymore because I've done this and blah, blah, blah. And there's so many hours and la, 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 la. And I, and I was kind of part siding with them. I'm like, that kind of sounds like really rough. Like that sounds, and then, it, and then on top of that, it, it was sounding like, well, it's all the same people at the higher levels that get to do the cool stuff, but they have the experience. So it's like a big circle, but that's why people end up dropping out or these people that I talk to about it. Right. But I feel, right. I feel like if they had heard it the way you just said it, they wouldn't have that argument. It's Yeah, a lot of people didn't want to put in the grunt work. Well, for one, 500 hours is a lot to do for free. And if you've got bills to pay and a life to live, whatever, it is definitely overwhelming. But at the end of the day, if you're if your goal is to get goal to the is, big yeah. games, then yeah, you've got to put in the work. And I totally but understand it's not even it. That. Because it's just exactly what he said. So you can also, there are ways, you can still put in your hours and still get paid. Like... You can be uh, a therapist for maybe a track team, and every time you treat somebody, you're getting paid for that. That's that's field experience. You can do that. Um, yes, a lot of it is volunteer. Um, I was fortunate that I got a fair bit of my hours with soccer. I did some hockey. Um, I mean, I was paid to do soccer. So I, as I said, I'm very fortunate in that sense. Right. But for some of the football, and I think it was the other thing I did was hockey, it wasn't paid for me. 
I had to put in the time. But despite, bottom line. despite the, the, the putting in the time for free, my point of all that was you can't get that experience of, of knowing what to do and knowing your place yep. unless you've done hundreds of hours. Like yep. you don't True. get that off of like 50 hours of work. No, absolutely right? you, not. You have to do a lot to just even get that experience to know your place. Well, let's even just relate it to like regular massage therapy. Like I always joke, like when you come out of school, you probably suck a little bit. <laughs> like you haven't treated enough bodies. You haven't met enough people. Like you don't, you don't, fu- yes, you know your anatomy, you know your orthopedic tests, mm-hmm. you know, like, yeah, sure, you know all that shit. But without the actual hands on experience, I didn't even think how can like you that. possibly be really great? You know, when I, I can fully admit that I am. 10 times the therapist I was 10 years ago because I have so much more experience. When I came out, I could fake it and people liked me because they liked me. That's the <laughs> message. Both of you guys need to combine this because I actually never even thought of it like that. How many hours does it take me to learn and hone this skill? Right. And it may be 500 to do that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And when it comes to working with athletes, like we've said billions and billions of times, athletes are just different beings. And you really do have to know your place and what you can do and how you can help and it's it's going to take a lot of work to get there. So so let me let me give you another I've got two other examples. So I did the Parapan Ams. Right. And I was there as a massage therapist, but I was also there when we I was also there paired with somebody that did not have uh their first responder. Okay. So, you know, and you have to accept that role. I wanted to do work in the clinic. Well, no, 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 no. It doesn't work that. You've got to rotate. You have to swallow the pill and yes. you have to say, right. okay, that's the way you go. Another example is now, unfortunately, due to COVID, I'm, I'm not with them. Uh, I work with Swim Ontario. Last year, we had a particular swimmer that had, uh, I think she had a small bit of scoliosis. Okay. And I was basically asked to come up with a treatment plan. And I'm thinking, okay, how am I going to do this? They have a physiotherapist that works with them, and she's awesome, uh, Megan. They have their strength coach. Um, I wish I could remember. I'm so bad at names. Anyways, and so there's like the three of us, and there's the lead for the whole healthcare team. And I'm thinking, I'm just one person. I could easily do, say, this, this, and this, and just give them what they need. But because you're in a team situation, you have to have open communication with everything. So in the end, I put down my recommendations, what needed to be done. I sent them to the physio, and she basically took care of the rest of that stuff. And that's how you work in a team kind of a thing. If I said to myself, you know what, I can do this all on my own, chances are they probably wouldn't want me back again. Because why? I'm ignoring the other staff that are there that have their own certain set of skills that's going to help this athlete get better. And in the end, it's not about you and quote unquote, if you want to say how good you are, it's how good you are with them, with everybody else that's that's there. And it yeah. truly gives you that team aspect. And if you don't work that way, um, and that can be people that have their own clinics or have other people in those clinics, they have to understand that at some point in time, there's going to be somebody else they're going to be reporting to. Or if you're an independent practice, you have to understand that as well, too. It's all about the team. So when when things come out for selection for core, um, I will tell you, people know, like, even though you're quote unquote supposed to not know, but 
reputations are out there. And if you've been selected for something and you're just full of yourself and not really helping, it will hurt you. It's all about what is best for the greater good, if you want to call it that way. And you have to be able to sometimes swallow the pill and say, you know what? I probably, I know I could have done that, but I wasn't allowed to. No problem. I'll stick to what I do. I will just do massage. I know there's other things I can do. However, um, this is what I was going to do. The other thing I was going to say, since I'm kind of on a tangent now, one of the things we had at one of our provincial um, association AGMs or meetings is we had a few athletes come in and talk. And one of the things was asked was, what else do you like about a massage therapist if you're going to go for massage therapy? And the common thing they kept on saying was acupuncture. So that's something to keep in mind is I don't have that skill. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, I I used to, but that's another story for that's totally. Anyway, um, yeah, yeah, acupuncture. And I would say the other thing that's really important is to know how to tape. If you have those two things, uh, that's great because you may depending on where you are, the situation, you may need to use both of those, or you may be allowed to use both of those yep. if it's within your quote, your scope or whatever. But obviously you have to have the insurance and all that other uh, kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. It sounds like to do this type of work, you need two qualities that seem to be like at uh, battling with each other. You need to be like super confident in your skills, but also you need to be very humble and put your ego aside and know that I don't know everything. I'm not going to be able to fix every problem and I need to work with the team. You'll say two more qualities, two other qualities. You also need to, and they're, and they're opposite of each other a little bit. You also need to be able to hustle, but then you also need to be patient. Yeah. (laughs) Be humble, be confident, hustle and be patient. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. If if you stick out, if you stick out for the wrong reason, Everybody and their brother will know about it, and your your lifespan uh, with with a, that organization or whatever is is down the hill. I mean, as I say, I'm I'm eternally grateful for the opportunities that I've had. They've been very humbling, um, and at the same time, I will not lie; they have uh, boosted my confidence in my own abilities uh, to help. But you still, you, you, you've got to be humble and you've got to be willing to do the grunt work and you've got to be willing to work with others. If you have a disagreement with somebody, you pull them aside and you talk to them one-on-one. I've been really fortunate. I've never been in a situation like that. Uh, I have been in the middle of a situation uh, in the past where I've had two opposing people uh, ask me for opinions where I've had to be really politically uh, careful with what I do and what I say. Um, and fortunately, in that situation, everything worked out. But you just you just have to be aware. Um, you know, you know who the boss is, know where you are on the totem pole, uh, know who you can go to, and, and things work out. So some of what you're saying, I'm not saying this in a negative way at all, but some of what you're saying, I can imagine how some people might hear this and feel like this world is super elitist. It can it come across that way and is it, but it's it's not necessarily a negative thing maybe it is but is the is that the right impression that this is sort of like it's all about networking yeah right if you do good work now it's all about the people you know so it's interesting you say elitist um it really depends on the I'll be honest it depends on the individual it really truly depends on 
the individual. Because, I mean, you look at any field, there are some people that think they're God's gift to whatever. Um, and, you know, you have to take that with a grain of salt. You've got other people that uh, are very humble um, and are still open to learning. Like, I, I mean, I, I I work with people that are like that, that are still open to learning, and they've been in their fields for however long. Um, and, and that's kind of what you want. That's the kind of person that they're, in a sense, looking for. That's literally you, Mike. I started off the episode by saying that. Like, you've got you've got Mark's experience and my, my experience and then some, and yet you came to us to learn from us. And I just remember thinking, like, this is this is just so interesting. Like, I feel like you should be teaching us, but you came to us to <laughs> take a course. And I was like, this is fucking cool. <laughs> and you never know. I may be back again. <laughs> Can I ask you a question? Really quick question. Yeah. Cause I've always wanted to know sure. this and you're going to be able to answer for me when it comes down to the athlete in rehabilitation. Give me the, mm-hmm. give me the pecking order of therapists. I was just thinking that, except I wasn't going to use the words pecking order. Okay. So my first answer is, uh, whoever the best therapist is. It doesn't matter if they're chiro, physio, massage, or ET. When, uh, good. Now, when we're looking, so the way, now I could be wrong here, but when you're looking at games per se, it's either an AT or a PT who's usually the head therapist. And they're the ones that decide if you're going to go for physio, if you're going to go for chiro, or if you're going to go for massage. That's kind of how it works in that, uh, line. Now, if you are like, for example, I'm both AT and MT. So that gives me a little bit more option per se. Mm-hmm. Um, like even, even though I was selected for massage, I did a little bit of AT stuff when I was in Italy. I did a little bit of taping uh, because they needed somebody and the other therapist that was there uh, was tied up with something and they needed it right away. So, okay. Yeah. So I go ahead and, and do the taping. Right. Um, what, what I will tell you is it really depends on the therapist and their experience. Um, there are a lot of ATs that are very field um, oriented. Yeah. There are ATs that are, do both field and clinic. And then there are some ATs that are more clinical. PT is uh, a lot, I think, no, don't, don't quote me on this. Uh, they do both. And massage therapists, most massage therapists are uh, in the clinic. In rural areas where there are no PTs and there are no ATs, there are a lot of massage therapists that are working with teams. Quite a few of them have gone through like our our sport massage program, like our our, our course kind of a thing. Like, for example, uh, Jessica Sears, who's one of the massage therapists, she works with junior hockey. She's out east. Right. She's everything. So she probably does the taping. She's there for emergency care. She'll do pre-sport right, 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 massage right. or whatever. It's like she Josh does everything. Peterborough. Right? Josh. Yeah, yeah. example. Josh is, Josh is another one. So it, it really depends, I think, a lot of times on the actual individual and what their skill set is. It's different for everyone. Um, I missed some of the field work to be honest but i don't miss the hours that i used to have to do for it i'm very happy in the clinic now and i i love working with my hands regardless if it's visceral relaxation pregnancy matrix repatterning matrix manual therapy it doesn't it doesn't matter before we get to the matrix where has this whole 
sport world, where's the coolest place it's taken you and what made it the coolest place? Ha, I've got too many to mention. <laughs> so I love Germany when I was there with soccer. It was awesome. We got to go to Austria and we were a day out from going to Italy, but the roads were too icy. We went March break. I will go back to, well, uh, I'd go back to Germany in a heartbeat and Italy. I loved Italy. I've been there now three times, twice, twice with soccer and, or three times. Okay, I've lost track. Yeah. Twice, twice with soccer and once with, uh, well, the world university game. Mike, are you a food guy? Are you a foodie? Uh, I, I can't say 100% that I am. Ah, all right. Best food was definitely, my, my favorite food was definitely in Italy. Thank you. Okay. Okay. I <laughs> Sorry, Mark and I Mark and I have this debate all the time because he's like, I don't see the fascination with Italian food. I'm like, that's because you eat like pizza pizza and Eastside Mario's. That's not real Italian oh, food. That's why, of I never, first of all, I never claim that to be real authentic Italian food. I just don't understand. You make it sound like I've never had, like I've never no, sat at an Italian have. person's house where, where known as making something. Thing and no one's speaking English. Like, come on, I've been there. No, it's, it's... Well, 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 here's the thing with Italian food you don't get fat. So, I ate a lot when I was in Italy. Oh, it's because you're walking everywhere, isn't it? Well, that, I think that's kind of part of it, but I, I ate a lot more than I did at home and I did not put on any weight. I actually I, I dropped about 15 pounds before I went because my physical conditioning was really poor. So, for about three, four months, I was, I, had, I worked out. Um, I did some of my interval training stuff and it definitely made a difference for me. I had a few times where I was doing four to six hours straight of, of treatment. So half hour here or half hour there or 20 minutes there, back to back to back to back. And then you were just just carb loading in between. (laughs) Yeah. Something like that. Spoon fed. Um, and it was great and I didn't gain any weight and I was quite happy. I come home within a week. All 10, 15 pounds that I lost back on again. Like, what a drag. Well, I mean, really, wheat in North America and wheat in the rest of the world is not the same. So that makes a big difference. You can go to another country and load up on the bread and pasta and be totally fine. It's not the same. It's not the same. And that's what I experienced. Um, I think Italy is an absolutely beautiful country. Uh, I would go back in a heartbeat anytime. Like it, it is, if I were to play it, put, go one place, that would be the place for sure. Um, I got to see a fair bit of, of Italy, the Amalfi Coast, Sorrento, uh, Naples. Uh, where else? Yeah, it just, it's gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. All right. Well, when uh, we're allowed to travel again. Oh, Mark just hung his head down. Um, he had brought up matrix repatterning. So, we we sort of touched on this a little bit when we met in person, but we did have two people come on our podcast sure. and try to explain matrix repatterning to us. And to be honest, we we were a little confused after the entire thing. And you honestly seem like an unlikely therapist to be practicing this. So <laughs> at least, yeah, at, least based, at least based on what those people were making. Right. Thing so like. can you maybe try to clarify it a little bit for us? Can you give us the the simplest definition of okay. what it is. So I think what I said to you guys is think of your body as a bunch of mini batteries that are all working together. Okay. All right. And and if if I go to the lower leg and I get hit in the shin, say the tibia, all of a sudden now one of those batteries, like this, like a cell. So if we think of the batteries like a cell, it doesn't function. And then the next battery to it all of a sudden now it doesn't function. 
But all these batteries are all connected by our fascia, saran wrap, soft tissue. So let's say a couple of years pass by and all of a sudden you wake up one day and it was your right shin that you had had that knock on. You wake up and you cannot raise your right shoulder as high as possible. Well, if you think of like anatomy trains and anatomy lines, Mm -hmm. the reason you cannot raise that shoulder up has nothing to do with your shoulder. It's because those batteries in your shin aren't working. And now there's a pull from there all the way to your shoulder. So you release or you normalize those batteries so that they can function again. And guess what? That shoulder's working. So that's kind of how matrix repatterning. But sometimes works. isn't it just the shoulder? I'm I'm honestly asking that. Yes, sometimes possibly. isn't it just the shoulder? Yes, yes, yes. So that's a good question. Can it be just the shoulder? Yes. Okay. Um, but a lot of times over a year, so the older you are, the more bumps and bruises you accumulate. If you've had a concussion and things like that. That's what happens. The the thing is, the body is connected from, we're connected from a head to toe. I mean, mm-hmm. literally. If anybody's looked at um, Tom, Tom Myers, Myers yeah. the anatomy train, yeah. he actually shows you all the different lines. Like if yeah, you yeah. see the, the anatomy or cadaver lab he does, absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. So if you think of something down in the foot and it's not functioning, it can translate right up to your neck, right up to your head. So tell me what you what you do. Like, what are you doing when you say you're normalizing the area? What are, okay, you, what so, are you doing with your hands? That's that's what I want. So what we do is we, quote unquote, we scan the body and we're using uh, what they're called matrix mags. They're specific type of magnets because our body is basically, we're electrical. And what it's doing, it's finding those areas that the electricity or those batteries aren't working. And then we apply a very gentle force. Um, In a sense, our hands are kind of electrical and with the magnet, and we get that battery to work again. So once that battery is functioning, things around it can start to function again, and things far away from it that have been affected indirectly can now work again. So this is just like a gentle hand placement then that's happening. Oh, 100%. A, a static gentle hand placement. Yeah, so oh. I, I had one of the practitioners that came on the podcast. She did... She was doing the a, scan, but she, she didn't really... No, she did a little bit of a treatment on me. Oh, maybe I wasn't paying and, attention. I mean, it was just, it was one little sample, so I guess mm-hmm. I couldn't really expect to feel or see much difference but it is honestly and I'm, I'm sure you can relate to this it's really hard to wrap your head around as a therapist who yep. you, like how such a gentle pressure where it mm-hmm. feels like she was literally just like mm-hmm. touching my leg I it's it's really hard for me to understand how that is right. fixing that battery how that's making that battery work again like i understand the concept and i i totally get fascial lines and how everything is connected from mm-hmm. head to toe like that part i always follow but whenever it gets down to the actual treatment i i get stumped and maybe it's just because i haven't taken the courses i don't know no so i think one of the things we don't people don't realize is we're actually emitting in a very very small way electricity from her hands. So what I have found from time to time, if I don't have my magnets, I'll just use my hands and I can still get results. That's what's so phenomenal about this. For me, I can't speak for anybody else that does matrix, but I sometimes have found that if uh, I can get results just by using um, 
my hands. And like anything else, it's a skill and it's still something that um, I, I work on on a day-to-day basis um, because I want to get better, mm-hmm. right? Everybody wants to get better. It's interesting. Dr. Roth, who who started this whole thing, he still wants to get better and he's fairly good at it. And he's been doing it for, I don't know, 20, 30 years. He started off just using his hands, which is amazing. And he was always searching for an answer kind of a thing. I think it's, it's, a, it's amazing. I think when like I'm used to doing, I've done a lot of deep tissue work and stuff like that. And to get the same result or sometimes even a better result, to be honest with you, with light pressure, uh, at first I'm going, yeah, what a bunch of bunk. I, I honestly thought this is a bunch of bunk, but I like it. And when I do it, it, it depends. Sometimes it's strictly matrix repatterning that I do. Sometimes I'll combine it with craniosacral therapy because I think they complement each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe I'll do it with a bit of visceral. What what I do find if if I do some work on the lower body, when I go to work other parts of the body and it's not matrix, it's something else, I find things are a little bit easier to do. That's that's been my experience. Yeah, the light the light pressure I can understand and appreciate because I have other therapists that I know that practice, you know, more traditional fascial techniques and they sure. do things, you know, very gentle and just prolonged sustained kind of work. And I mean, I've seen it. I've seen it work and I've seen people get great results. I guess the matrix matrix thing is just I don't know, somehow this is <laughs> For some people it's a foreign concept. It Absolutely. is. It is very foreign. I was actually having a conversation with a massage therapy student the other night. It was uh, our last podcast guest, Yvonne. Mm. And after we turned off the mic, she was talking about how she was studying the lower limb and she was struggling to memorize all the muscles in the lower limb. And right. she's like, "The forearm were so easy for me." And I'm like, "You know what's funny? When I was in school, the forearm <laughs> used to fucking piss me off. Like I just somehow couldn't get it." And Mark would say to me, "It's so easy." And he'd like put his hand in his forearm. He's like, "Look, they just go in." The-. And I'm like, "I don't know. It just won't stick." I think. This is one of these things that unless I actually like sit through a lecture and take the course or go and get treatments myself, it's just not sticking. Like people say it to me and I'm like, I I want to believe you. You are a very intelligent person. You're a wonderful therapist, but this is, this is fucking bananas to me. So just think of, okay, here, here, um, here's an exercise for anybody to do. You can stand up and then what you do is you put your hands not in a namaste position, but across each other okay. and slightly push and go until you feel like there's a barrier. Okay, wait, say that again. Not in a namaste position, but, but cross. So, yeah, so you're crossing, you're crossing hands. So okay. four fingers, yeah, are going across. And are my hands, are my hands like touching each other back to back? Yes, or am they I, are. Okay, Front, got uh, it. Fr- uh, palm to palm. Oh, okay. So it's almost... Um, for it's almost like a, uh, in a sense, a key John kind of a practice. Yep. Does that okay. make sense? I've got Mark doing it. Okay. <laughs> okay. So now, what you do is you start and you just put your hands lightly against each other. Okay. So they're just touching. And then what you do is you slowly increase the pressure. Increase the pressure, Mark. You may or may not feel something until you feel some resistance. Now, I experiment with this from time to time. And see if you feel when it gets, when you have the tent, when there's a fair bit of tension per se, if you feel it in some other part of your body and yeah. see what happens Did you feel there. it in any other part of your body? 
I felt it. I I did it really quick. I put my mic down for a sec and just like sure. two seconds of pressure. I felt it in my right anterior shoulder. Okay. Do you have shoulder problems there? I have problems everywhere, Mike. Anyway, so yes, the, right the type right of pressure. Mark just said your right shoulder actually is problematic, and I said yes. Well, there you go. So the type of pressure that you're using is you're you're over top of the. Think of that you're covering a bone and you're slowly getting to the point, just imagine your mind's eye, that you're kind of making contact with the bone, but it's a very subtle, but very firm contact. And when you're making that contact, you're creating a natural electrical balance for that area. Those areas that we feel that aren't at normal, quote unquote, there's a restriction there, and you're now normalizing that electrical field. Okay. That's, so this that's is this happening. is very you're, you're much turning on the batteries. Yes, you're this is very much an energy technique, which I am I'm totally fine with. And Did you I get that from the last the last thing. No, like they, this can, was, they confused me. Yeah, I got confused too, but they, I at least understand it now. Yeah, you've made it a little more clear, but I do think that I probably just need to, maybe I just need to book some appointments with you, Mike. I need to get some treatments from somebody who does Matrix to totally understand. Elsie tried, and I mean, she did great, but it was just, I don't know, I was very confused that night. <laughs> Actually, Elsie had an amazing uh, case study that I saw. She told us about it, and it was incredible what she told us, and she showed us photos and everything. Yeah, it was phenomenal. But it was, you know what, it, she was having some trouble explaining it to me, and I kept saying to her, I I believe you. Like, I'm seeing the pictures, you're showing me the evidence, but I yep. don't get it. So mm-hmm. I, I, I feel like... It's a little more clear now, but yeah, she had some, she had some great stories and some great case studies. I'm like, I believe you. This looks awesome. I just don't get it. I mean, you can always go to the Matrix Repatterning website as well, too. There's good information there. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of different concepts. Um, and yes, it, it can be, I mean, I still have to go back and look at things as well, too. But I just, um, I think for the most part, it, it works. and um, you do get results. I, I love it. I, I, I have found in, in my case, I do use it for concussions and I have found from with quote unquote older clients that are looking for something different and something softer. They seem to do really well with it. Do you ever have patients or clients coming in and saying, I want to do matrix repatterning or I want to do that matrix thing? Or is this just something that you do as part of you treating patients? Yes to both. So currently right now, I have somebody uh, that I'm treating that has uh, pretty bad TMJ issues, and I've been working with her now for a couple of weeks. Uh, The one thing I have found with Matrix is people have really, uh, she's uh, she's on medical leave. Um, there are other issues that she, mental issues that she's dealing with. And I do find sometimes when working with people like that, things take a little bit longer and people that are on medication as well, too, things don't always show up right away when you do your, your scans. Um, so sometimes it can be a bit challenging. And so I'll be honest, sometimes it takes a a couple of appointments, uh, to see true change, true change. And things are always like, things are happening. Um, and things are, yeah, things are always happening. So it's different for everyone. And each practitioner is different like anything else. Yeah, exactly. Like anything else, the person you go to is, makes a big difference. Back to your question. Uh, I sometimes 
will will throw it in. You are supposed to do a full scan and assessment. So one of the things I really like about matrix repatterning is that you do a, actually a, a complete orthopedic exam and then you do your scan. So it's not one of those things where, yeah, I feel better. It's actually you have um, evidence. Like there's evidence to show that there's an improvement. Right, right, right. Otherwise, I would not have done it. Um, although I am kind of a quote unquote, if you want to call it an energy person too. But the one thing I really liked about matrix right away was he put in orthopedic testing. So, and it's phenomenal what you can find when you, uh, put somebody through testing range of motion, special tests, and then you scan them and then you place the magnets at certain places and you see your positive tests become negative. So, for example, the ACL, if your semimembranosis and semitendinosis are not firing properly, yeah. you can get a positive anterior drawer test. So it's it's interesting in that way because it's a neuromuscular thing and the ligaments usually, and Mark, you can agree or disagree with me, usually your ligaments are going to be the last thing to go because everything else is not working. I mean, this makes sense to me. This is because that's just taking a look at the the joint mechanics. A hundred percent. So it, it, it's, it's, it's pretty, um, it's, it's pretty amazing stuff. Um, and for me, I mean, it's still everything like anything else. It's, it's still a process and you're always learning and your clients are the best people to learn from. And the body doesn't lie. That's the one thing I like about matrix is the body does not lie. It will tell you where the injuries are when you do your scan. They'll let you know. So it's pretty neat stuff. Neat. Sorry, I just really, wanted, I just really wanted to say neat. I, it, I, I, I think I, I, I understand it so much better. Yeah, I do understand it a lot better, especially even when you were using that analogy of like doing the special tests, and you know you can get positives, and it's not necessarily ligament; it is muscular tissue, and mm -hmm. it's it actually it just made me think of a client I had a couple of days ago that uh, she was telling me. Um, that she had poor range of motion in her shoulder and she thought there was something wrong with her shoulder joint. And so she was explaining to me that if she holds a broomstick over her head, that she can't, she said, uh, if I'm holding it over my head, I can't bring my arms back at all. And I said, okay. And so I was with her on the table. I was assessing her joint. And I said to her at the end, I, um, I don't actually think there's anything wrong with your joint. Like the range of motion in your joint is perfectly fine. Like mm -hmm. I think your I think your pecs are tight. That's it. And then mm -hmm. we worked a little mm -hmm. bit on our pecs. We did some stretching, and we tried the broomstick thing. And she was like, "Oh, it's a little better." And it was nothing mm -hmm. to do with the joint. I mean, I know this is not what you're talking about, but I mean, no, 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 this no. is kind of cool. Talk about the shoulder. But yeah, this no, no. is kind of the cool truth. that the the matrix stuff and the magnets, like you said, the body doesn't lie. So you can do your special tests, yeah. and then you add the matrix stuff in and you realize, okay, so it was something wrong in this area, but maybe not exactly what we thought it was. Right. So with, with the shoulder, one of the things that we found over and over again is if supraspinatus is not firing, then the joint is, um, well, it's more susceptible to dislocation, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. If the tibialis, so for the ankle, you're looking at the tibialis anterior. That's what he's discovered. And and it's interesting because we actually can test tone. And it's a good indicator. And a lot of times with knee stuff, it's coming from the hip. So it's just like it's uh, – anyway, 
it's you know it's, what it's, it's pretty neat. I, I t- I'll tell you why I find it even more fascinating because of what you're saying. Because everything you're saying mechanically is making sense to me. Like when you when you're right. when, when you're saying like you may have noticed from doing your scan that the hamstrings aren't firing, and that's why you can get an excessive amount of anterior translation of the tibia. Yeah. To me, sure. mechanically that makes sense because when your hamstrings are conscientiously contracting, they will cause a posterior slide yeah. of your tibia. So if they're not firing, then there's 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 no resistance to that. So I right. everything you're saying to me mechanically makes sense. So I can I can follow what's going on whether i buy it or not but it, you're I'm, 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 I, no, but I'm not gonna lie i'm not gonna lie i'm one step closer to buying it because i don't think no offense matrix people i don't think y'all think mechanically all the time so if you're if you're doing your scans and you're coming up with these answers that i can make logic to from a mechanic standpoint and that might not have been part of your consideration when doing your scans i'm getting sold it a little helps bit that more he's got the kin background with you like that was oh, the biggest sure. problem and i had said that when Elsie and Julie were trying to teach us, I said, I, like, we're following you up to a point, but you have to remember you're talking to kins at heart. Like all we think of the sure. body, like we think of the body much more mechanically and it, it was really difficult. So that is an excellent way to look at it as well, too. The other thing that is really neat that blows my mind is that we're literally reshaping bone. Okay. You there, can, there it is. There it is. <laughs> so, so, but here's the thing. We now have x-ray evidence, like clear, clear, not maybe, but definitively. We have definitive x-ray results to show the effects of the matrix. If you like, you can, I don't know. This is one of the things I find in any assessment. Do you ever measure the size of a bone? No. Do you? No, but think of just measuring the size of your patella. You can do that, and there will be a difference. If you've had injuries, there will be a difference in the size. So usually, not most of the time, most of the time, if a bone is elongated, it needs to go back to its original size because that's what happens with injury. So I understand anyway. that piece, it, and the question I kept asking was, how like tell me how in okay. scientifically how are you using this light containment pressure right how are you reshaping bone so think of your cell as uh, a soccer ball sure okay it gets injured it's now a football so now you see how we've kind of elongated that soccer ball into a football mm-hmm. you now put a normalizing pressure on either side of that football and then all of a sudden, it retains its shape. That's what's happening. It wakes up. The electrical part, the electrical properties are being stored. They're not being transmitted through. So they're being stored. And now it's being normalized by the pressure that you're putting with your hands because your hands are causing a very small electrical effect. And then on top of that, if you're using the magnet, it's increasing that and it's normalizing the electrical flow in that cell, or if you want to call it, it's turning on that battery again to work properly. So not only is it working within the cell itself, it's now functioning again, it's waking up and any of the cells that are around that that have been affected are now waking up again. That is what's happening. Does that help? Yeah, it was, it was definitely... Kind of, you're still, I can... Well, I mean, good. it's... 
It's, I totally understand the explanation and I, I won't dwell on it too much because we've already done an That's entire okay. episode on it. But okay. quite honestly, it's hard for me not to start thinking about. So like, it sounds like my entire day, every movement I make, every little bump I do, you know, I walk by a doorway and I bump my shoulder. I walk through like every little yeah. bump and br- is reshaping bone. And then I can somehow with it's accumulative and somehow with the intent and the right hand placement, I can put it back. And that is mind boggling and mind blowing all at the it same is. time. hundred percent. I agree a hundred percent with you. I still sometimes have my own problems trying to figure this thing out, but experience tells me that it works. And you know what? I am also, I am the you first to always say I'm exactly. all for it. If, if something works, I honestly don't give a shit how it works. I mean, that's, right. that's all I, I want to know. But if it works, it works. Of it I am very accepting of anything that is bringing improvement. And if it's something that's going to help my patients and they're feeling improvement and I'm actually seeing objectively that they're improving, well, that's the key, I'm right? super happy. You, you, you have to have that. Um, it has to be objective. That that's the key thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I like yeah. Okay, I feel better. But can you move your arm better? Um, you, you know, um, your range of motion at your neck is it better? Has it improved? It, it, there's yeah. I I get it. I totally get it. And and that's as I said to you before. The one thing why I stayed and continued to go through and do the certification program with it was you're looking you're looking for objective results because if the objective results aren't there then you're not doing what you need to do mm. right um, because it works so what's what's next mike you are the perpetual student taking over the world and <laughs> you you know you've accomplished many things you've done many things you've legit traveled the entire the entire world working with athletes and doing what you're doing and now you're working clinically where do you see yourself in five years? Yeah, that's a, I like that. We're Where do I see the, myself in five years? Question, yeah. uh, potentially um, doing this, but also getting into uh, coaching just because of um, what I have gone through uh, personally, which haven't sh- I, as some people know, some people don't. Um, my father was bipolar and um, it had a significant effect on me. So, to overcome a lot of what I went through with him, uh, stuff I went through with my mom, those types of things. I mean, I have two amazing younger sisters and what they went through. Um, and the fact that I'm still around is pretty amazing. So there is certain things that I'm kind of working on quietly on the side and we'll see what happens. But as far as therapy, um, I'm really looking, I can't wait to do a really good, solid, all inclusive, shoulder rehab course. That's one thing I'm really looking forward to. Um, I find there are some really good things out there, but I still haven't found something that is just blows my mind away. I don't know how else to put it. Something that combines visceral, something combines the uh, joint place, something that combines fascia, that kind of thing. That's what I'm kind of looking for. Because it's one area. uh, It's a lot of areas. I I, I think I I do I'll say good enough. I'm not going to say I'm a quote unquote expert far from that. Um, but the shoulder has been the one area where I find, um, I need to really, I need to be better at, and I, I don't know how else to put it. I feel like you're in my brain a little bit because there's a project that I'm working on for the new year 
that's okay. going to involve kind of what you're talking about. Yep. Cool. I was literally thinking, yeah. I was about to say to you, Mark, challenge accepted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. there's, there's a project in the works. Like I've, I've taken, um, Jonathan Meister does a really good shoulder course. Mm-hmm. Um, I've done that with him. I've got, oh, Zaleski's videos, right. which are really good. But it, it just seems that, uh, I don't know, I guess whatever works for them works for them. But I want something that can work for anybody, if that makes any sense. You are, um, this is going to sound really strange, but you kind of like think the way I do, but you're just much more ambitious. I don't like to. That sounds strange. It, it, it does, right? Um, no, it doesn't. I like to feel that I I understand everything. Like I don't like just scratching the surface of something. And it, you know, the fact that you, I mean, you're successful right now. You have a successful practice. You've done a lot of things, you know, uh, you've been in, in the field for so long. You would think that you'd be like, okay, I'm good. You know, I'll just keep my clinical practice going, but you have this desire to like, I need to get better. I need to get better. And I always feel that way. I've definitely in the last few years really had to slow down like trying to get better at things because sure. I'm dealing with small kids and whatever. But yep. let me ask you, why do you fucking care so much? Why do you want yeah. to be so why do you, you want to be feel, the best at what you, you do? Be yeah, why? Why? That's a good question. Uh, I just want to be better. <laughs> I don't know. That's just I it. just want to I uh, it, it's it's one of those things that's just in my mind for me. Um, there's a certain level that I want to be able to reach and it's a process whether I get there or not. And in the process, you want to help people. And I guess in turn, part of it is um, I like teaching and I want to be in a position where not only can I help um, the people that I treat, but possibly help other therapists because I've been helped by other therapists in a, in a, in a way of, I don't know, giving back, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just, I, I just think there's just for me and everything I've gone through, what I've done and where I am, there's just so much more to do. And um, yeah. And, and I'll be honest at the same time too, I'm also in the process of learning to and figuring out taking everything that I've done to date And how can I incorporate it to what I'm doing? And that's another challenge onto its own. So in some ways, I'm kind of finding myself in that sense. So it's all good. Like it's all, everything is all good. Everything is moving in, I would say, a very good direction. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm, I'm a different person now than I was four years ago. I'm very happy with what I've been able to do. But you know, you always wanted, I find I always want to do more and I'm, I'm not satisfied. The day I'm satisfied will be the day I'm out of the field because yes. then I'm not helping anybody. Well, That's kind of how I look at it. Yeah. It just, it makes so much sense. It's exactly the day that you're totally satisfied. Like I don't, I don't ever see that day yeah, happening. I am very happy. I am very content with my life. I am very happy mm-hmm. with my practice. I'm happy with my, pr- yep. like everything is great, okay. but I don't think that there will ever be a day where I'm not thinking about the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like I always want more and more and more of okay. something okay. Sure. because I think if you don't want anything, like you're just static and it's, but, there's nothing to look or, forward to. There's or, no excitement. There's or no, maybe that person's already, 
they have already gotten what they wanted to get and now they're just fucking picking shit right now. No, maybe there's always maybe there's they're always the evolved be one. Something else. Maybe there's maybe they're the evolved one. They else. hit their something else. They set their goal, they got there, and they're like, fuck, I made it here. You're still looking for yours. I got mine. I, Have fun I on your like, journey. I feel like you can be both. Like you can be totally you, totally happy, but also wanting more, regardless of more in what aspect of your sure. life, you have to want something. So when it comes to like the career stuff, I mean, being married to Mark is not helpful for me in any way because this guy fucking knows everything about everything and it's sometimes <laughs> annoying. <laughs> so when it comes to therapy and I'm working with a client and there's something I can't figure out, I can't tell you how many times, Mike, I will like finish with the client. I go into the office and I'll say to Mark, can we talk? shop for a second and he just kind of rolls his eyes because he doesn't want to hear it and I'll like give him a scenario let's say you have a client who's presenting with this 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 and you did this and you did this and you did this I'm like where would you go next like I'm constantly mm-hmm. like picking his brain for stuff because mm-hmm. I do want to get better I'm like I feel like I could have done more there but I was missing mm-hmm. a piece so then I go to him and if he doesn't give me anything then I'm like all right Google's my next and I'm like I got to figure out like what am I missing here and really Every so See, often, no, I have to ask myself, "Why do I care?" I've that always much? wanted. I've <laughs> always wanted to make a course like this, but I can. I never feel that I can ever get it right the way I want it to be. Like I, I can, I, I can deliver this on the fly, and I think, right. it, I think it'd be great because you're in the moment doing things and tangents and blah mm-hmm. blah blah. But I feel like you know, committing this to like. A, a course would be very difficult to get every component that I would want to have in there. What do you mean a course? Like, like, like case studies, specific cases? I, I and don't, how to, like, like, this, like, like this idea of like a very comprehensive treatment regarding this part of the body. Mm. And then from all of these different perspectives. Isn't that somewhat what you're planning to do in the new year? But Aren't you not, giving away not, pieces? No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm not looking to do that. The project is not a course. The project is something yes, different. Yes, I right? understand. But I was thinking like this is, this is the course that I would love to put together. Mm-hmm. But I would fuck it would be so fucking difficult to put together. It would be very difficult it's like because to cover there's from so every many, single angle to the point where there's angles. there's almost like that's what I mean. It's just like there's just it's it's too hard to there's do. There's infinite possibilities and, when you're working with humans because but every not even aspect comes If you're into delivering play. something just live on the go, you can hit it way better than you can if you commit it to like paper. Do you know what I mean? It's just mm-hmm. really, it's just way too hard. Yeah. I think that's why I've never done it. Maybe I'll try it one more time and see what happens. <laughs> no, seriously, because sometimes I do that. You sometimes never I just, know. Yeah, sometimes I just, that's what I do. Sometimes I just, when I'm bored and I'm like, let me write a fucking course and let's and let's see what I feel about it at the end. The and last if I, time if I he feel did good that, about it, 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 gets on, it gets on that calendar. The last time he did that, it was literally out of the blue. And he was it, like. No, no, it wasn't out of the blue. Well, someone, it wasn't. Someone contacted someone me it, to yes. do some one-on-one training and they wanted a very specific topic. But it was like, and he then suddenly like, got in this moment. And he's like, yeah. I'm going to develop this course. And I'm for days, make it a course. he was just sitting there like a mad scientist, typing and typing and typing and typing. And four days later, he like comes to me with these PowerPoints and he's like, check this out. Like, what <laughs> the hell just happened? <laughs> I love it. Priceless. Priceless. Uh, Mark, is there anything else that we can pick out of Mike's brain tonight? I don't know, man. I feel like he offloaded a lot, and that was great. Yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> there's there's so many different facets to your career, and so di- like so like different, different. Yeah. Like like your AT friends were probably like, "What the fuck is this Matrix shit, Mike?" You know what I mean? <laughs> and your Matrix... I'm the only AT that does Matrix. That's what I mean. As far as and, I know, your Matrix people are like, "Why are you hanging out with the jock lovers?" <laughs> <laughs> 
But you know what? It makes for a very well-rounded therapist. Uh, you know, I always hear therapists saying like, oh, just another tool in my tool belt. Well, you know what? You've got a lot of tools and you can help a lot Mikey of people. Alphabet. Mikey Alphabet. Mikey Alphabet. That's going to be your name from now on. When we're done, I can tell you what else I've been called. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> right on. This well, uh, yeah, I really appreciate you hanging out with us so late tonight. And yeah, you kind of brought back memories of the COVID lockdown days. So this has been yeah. really fun. Yeah, it has been. Thanks for hanging out. This has been good. Well, you know what? I truly appreciate the time. Uh, you guys are awesome. And I really like uh, what you guys are doing for continuing education. Um, I think a lot of a lot of RMTs, new and old, uh, should be taking at least one of your courses because I think it'll only make them better. Um, it's definitely made me better. So it's it's uh, it's appreciated. Right on, brother. Thanks for the kind words. Anytime. You guys have been listening to Two Massage Therapists in a Microphone Purse.